This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He played. Oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, alongside Mike Craven and Carter Yates for part two of our kind of end of season round table pre look ahead to spring off season discussion, whatever you want to call it state of the union. Uh, we're going to do the group of five this week. If you hadn't heard last week's episode, we went through every power five program, discuss some questions, whether it's about this past season, heading into next season, this off season, whatever uh, we'll be getting to that uh, in a little bit, but we do have some kind of a little bit of housekeeping off the top as far as uh, general news. Um, Texas has not slowed down in the transfer portal. <laughs> um, I'm just we're just gonna get right back into it because uh it seems like they're just looking to not even just like fill holes, but also like stock and just continue to stock up. Um wide receiving cores continuing to get just insanely better. But uh the I guess one of the newer ones, the biggest profile was um uh Amari Neblack from Alabama coming in as a tight end and kind of filling a, a big hole left by JT Sanders. Um, but yeah, Craven, just kind of overall thoughts. Uh, we can talk about uh, Tawali Savaya, 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 I think. Is Savaya. Savaya. Uh, I'm really white, so I think that's how you pronounce it. So take that <laughs> with a grain of salt. So yeah, uh, he, he's coming in from Arizona to add something to that interior defensive line. But, you know, just a little bit about the past week of Texas still kind of reloading, it seems. Yeah, I mean, the, the lifeblood of the Texas program is always going to be the high school recruiting and the development of those guys. You know, Texas is one of those programs that can build it from, from the ground up in the old school way. But what the transfer portal has allowed teams like Texas to do, and Nick Saban tried to warn everybody, mm -hmm. right, is kind of take the all-stars of the that next tier of group. Right? Like Houston's not going to compete for national championship. Well, Matthew Golden can go do that. You know, a couple of these Alabama players believe, at least in year one under, under Kellen DeBoer, that, that Alabama is not going to be there to go compete for a national championship. Well, now they can go do that with Quinn Years. And so uh, this is a rich get richer situation. And, and you go into the offseason and back in the day, you would go, well, I wonder what they're going to do at wide receiver. I wonder what they're going to do at edge. How are they going to replace Tavondre Sweat? And you'd start looking at the young guys coming up well now you can go get arizona's best defensive lineman and alabama's best uh wide receiver and tight end and um the the best defensive back from clemson and you can just go down the line right you start you start picking those guys off and so it used to be rebuild and, and try to see what happens that next year you know texas may be as talented if not more talented uh going into next year and, and that's a that's a very very scary thought for everybody else I'll do a shameless plug, too, for the college football transfer portal tracker on the Dave Campbell's Texas football website. And I like it because it's got all the Texas teams side by side. And what I noticed about Texas is they don't have as many guys arriving as Texas A&M, as Texas Tech, but their hit rate is basically 100%. And if we look at transfer portal as an import-export business, like I know Craven said last week, they've got a 
all-conference defensive back at Andrew Makuba from Clemson. They got Matthew Golden, Houston's best player, Trey Moore, UTSA's best player. And a lot of the guys who left have gone to UNLV, San Jose State, Coastal Carolina. You know, So this is how a high-functioning program looks in the new age of the transfer portal. And like even somebody like, because I mentioned, you know, not just filling holes, but kind of getting depth. Again, somebody like a Kendrick Blackshear, right? Like he didn't have, he didn't put up insane production, right? He only has like, I think 25-ish total tackles. But we know he's a physical freak. We know that he's not going to be starting, right? He's going to be around the rotation, but he's not going to be starting. They have reliable depth there with guys like uh, Anthony Hill, right? They're going to be fine at linebacker. So it's more of just, hey, what do you got, right? If if there is something in the uh, Kendrick Blackshear kind of tank, Texas, you kind of bet on Texas being somebody to get that out of him. So, yeah, I do like that. They're kind of taking a little bit of everything. Of course, AM we know, has to rebuild their roster. Um, but Texas, in a way, is reloading like i said but still like 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 you mentioned carter kind of the hit rates are a little bit more um high profile i guess they're taking i want to say an alabama player to play special teams basically like black shirt <laughs> right. is like a, a special teams ace right and they're right. going out and they're 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 retooling their their kickoff coverage schemes and stuff because jaron thompson and keaton Tom, like keaton crawford were excellent at that mm-hmm. right and like so when you have the ability to go pluck alabama type talent to come play special teams and be your second string linebacker you know, that that's pretty big. And, and this is where everybody wants to get right. Like not every program can do it this way in the month. Like there's just, uh, you just can't, right. Like not everybody rice isn't going to be able to do it this way. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're Texas, you can. And I think Sark has kind of built a model in real time of how you build a legit power to roster. If you can recruit from the high school ranks, like it, it is, it's really well done. It's a, it's a complete overhaul of what he inherited and it's, it's been done well. Well, this is what Texas A&M would like to get to, and it's not fair to compare Texas versus Texas A&M this year because Mike Elko, new coach, they had to take a lot more on the transfer portal. But I do give an honorable mention to Texas A&M. If Texas won the portal, I think Texas A&M is probably second. I like Will Lee from Kansas State. Mm -hmm. I like Jabray Barber from Troy. They've gotten a lot of really good pieces. They won't take as much in the transfer portal in the coming years. Yeah but they might try to get more like Texas where it's just being selective and getting that almost hundred percent hit rate. Exactly. Alrighty. So, you know, that was kind of the cleaning up off the top. Um, the ACC and big 12 schedules should be dropping. I mean, hell am I drop while we're right after we get done recording. Um, but, uh, you know, so be, be on the lookout for that techsobo.com. We will have you all covered there. Um, and yeah, because of course everybody knows the games, but they don't know exactly when, when the trends are, when, you know, the back half of the schedule, things like that. So uh, we'll be looking for that. Of course, we'll be looking for SMU's first inaugural ACC schedule, as well as um, trying to think, I guess there's no more newcomers in the state in the Big 12. So we're just waiting for the Big 12. Um, so yeah. All righty. Let's get to, let's get to our State of the Union. All right. So for those of you that did not watch, listen to last week's, go back and do that. But like I said, it's one question for each program. This is the group of five. And we kind of bounce a discussion off. It's either a yes or no, or, a you know, a kind of a, a open-ended question. And we just kind of go from there. So let's start with, all right, let's start, I guess, well, let's just start current. Because there's one team that's kind of uh, on unintentionally in the spotlight recently uh texas state Ooh, right off the top okay We're going right off the top because look that we need to talk about it um yeah we got some things to talk about here so the question is 
<clears throat> as we know, they added Jaden Delora, and TJ Finley is gone. He announced his commitment to Western Kentucky, which, by the way, I think he'll light up Conference USA <laughs> with with that offense. Um, will GJ Kenny's gamble to take Jaden Delora over TJ Finley pay off for the Bobcats? If you're not familiar, I did a story on this. Uh, it's behind the paywall for subscribers that walked through Texas decision or Texas State's decision after the bowl game, believing TJ Finley was going to leave making basically doing their due diligence obviously it i don't think that was the issue as opposed to who they then brought in <laughs> um yeah. jaden delara who uh just settled i guess officially settled um the university star has been doing a really good job there officially settled a uh civil uh civil suit um people some people incorrectly classified it as a criminal case uh in hawaii because there were minors it is a civil case um, of a sexual assault in 2018 when he was in high school along with another player who's at Wisconsin right now. Uh, they just settled that this month, right? The reason why I was back in the news is because in August, a judge rescinded his settlement saying it was too low based on what Delara and the other players were theoretically making with NIL. So that news got out. Um, I mean, that's been known, but like the news got more when he signed to Texas State and essentially the Texas state staff gambled on him and that baggage over TJ Finley, who announced he was coming back. So will the gamble pay off? Um, anyone want to pick it up? I mean, I could pick it up. I could, I could start off. Ish, why don't you, why don't you start? You could, you wrote that story about it on the website yeah, too. I'm so. going to say in what way, because I'm going to say, you decide no in the sense that, I don't think this is something that will solve itself in terms of like, if we fast forward to August, they go on to make a run at the Sun Belt and Jaden Delores. Like, I don't think this is something that's going to go away, if that makes sense. Um, Can I we do just think talk about, will... should we just talk about the, uh, when you say it's not going to go away, that's because of the off-field issues, right? Yes, yes, yes. hundred percent. Yes. I think because there's been some, there's rightfully, I think been some backlash from this because you've had a, administration and a coaching staff that's been spending house money essentially right they've they've built a really good environment um it's been feel good vibes and this is the first you know to put it lightly polarizing uh thing that they've done and I, I don't think this is something that goes away long story short can i hop in why it is so polarizing because i was looking into this and is your story did a great job of it but also shout out to the university star that student newspaper there has done a really solid job reporting on all this i think it's so polarizing because gj kinney goes jade never pled guilty or was convicted of criminal charges and that's also at the 2023 pac-12 media day where the arizona head coach jed fish said that he said jaden's never guilty never pled guilty and was which, never found guilty which anything. i need which i need to specify so that is technically correct right like that yeah, is a thing very that, technically yes it is, it is exactly because for those that don't know in this case was it, i can't believe we were having like a legal discussion on here but but it is what it is <laughs> um the case i mean we files, have to the case files were sealed right and so nobody can access the case files the lawsuit alleges that Jaden delora initially pleaded guilty but nobody can prove that because the case files are sealed and so his defense team has now argued that he never pled guilty. And so, again, how you avoid this is by not getting involved. But because they're involved now, it doesn't surprise me that they, they take up the the defense the defense team's defense of it, right? It's like, 
well, you're going to, you're going to go to his people and say like, what are you using to argue this? Here's what we can say. So yes, that's why, because he released a statement to the university star. Uh, we can talk about Craig Stutzman as well. He coached him at Washington state. He kind of vetted his character. Then Craig Stutzman leaves for the offensive coordinator job at San Jose state. Um, Look, I'm surprised that he that they that he signed in this offseason anyway because I thought he would have just put this off like signing because then he couldn't comment on it, right? If he didn't sign, he could have just not commented on it until he does sign like a couple like a month later or something. So, I was very surprised that he signed at all. Uh Craven, I don't know if you if you want to get in on this as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me are we convinced that Texas State would have bettered the first year anyway, right? Like yeah. it's hard it's hard to match the ceiling again, mm-hmm. right? Like to, to create a new floor and then go, okay, well, we're going to start winning eight games every year. Like what's right. next for Texas state, like to overachieve to do the next big thing is to, to compete for the Sun Belt championship, play for it, maybe even win it. Mm-hmm. That's not a guarantee. If TJ Finley comes back, like that's hard to do. Sure. Right. And so I guess this feels like a Kendall Bryles to TCU situation after the make, making it to the national championship the year before, like all the vibes are good. Mm-hmm. Like in the fan base, between you and the administration, between you and the faculty, between you and the students and the alumni inside the locker room, I'd imagine it has to be pretty good as well. You you got some guys back that that maybe could have gone uh, elsewhere, including TJ Finley, right? Like it was all building back towards another like kumbaya. Look how excited Texas State is. They're going to be the fun story of the state. Everybody's going to pay attention in the spring, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you take a risk on a player that is marginally better maybe like, right. Like they, they're right. not bringing in Vince young and get sure. rid of TJ Finley. And so to me, it, it, I, I talk to a lot of coaches It's what I do for a living. Basically mm-hmm. I, they're, I, it's, it's insane where my phone, like if I showed you my phone, like my friends and family are very low down the list, right? Like <laughs> right. <laughs> all I do is talk to coaches and all they do is talk about distractions. Like all right. the time is about distractions and not wanting this because of the distraction, not wanting that player because of distraction. Like you create your own distractions. Sonny Dykes did it last year with Bryles and what that created at, at TCU. And now GJ, you know, Kenny and, and that staff have created that with, uh, with the quarterback situation at Texas State. So to me, it feels unnecessary. Quarterback wasn't the problem, right? Quarterback's right. not good. Right. It wasn't going to be the thing that kept them from reaching their goals next year. So I get the roster construction. I get that Kenny's a guy that has done this before, not like with the off the field stuff, but like, yeah breeding competition he was an nfl player they bring in guys every single year you try to get better at every position it doesn't matter who you i i get it i get it but it's still college athletics vibes still matter the locker room still matters and i wonder what every other scholarship player thinks of this situation right because i'd imagine some of them were pretty close to tj a lot of them bled sweat and cried with tj all of that stuff right mm-hmm. and now that dude walks out the door for a guy that you've never met before with this baggage and now the fan base is talking it just seems unnecessary to me and it makes the pressure of matching last year and then being better like now you have to do it mm-hmm. because the the temperature is going to be so high on you right i think one that- caveat i would add is mm-hmm. that they didn't know that TJ Finley was coming back, which we discussed sure. so, last week. So, so, so here's here's my thing. That's a good point. And I mentioned that that is part of their initial thing. I've talked to a lot of some of my friends and some of the people close in, in that around that department um, about that. And my answer to that would have been like, yes, it is smart to have a contingency plan. You have no emotional tie at that point to Jaden Delora. They knew like by the time he committed. 
Yeah, right. But at that, the minute, T, in my opinion, the minute TJ Finley comes back, sorry, man. You know, right. hey, I know we did all this, blah, blah, blah. Didn't come through. That's not the first time Jaden Delora is going to be denied. It's not the first time he's denied a scholarship, right? He probably got uh, he probably got offered by somebody. He's like, hey, we don't have a spot for you, right? He's That's happened to him before. That's part of recruiting. So my thing was, I get that. And I can 100%, there's something to be said about savvy roster construction. But the minute that that did happen, Okay, cool. We're good. Run it back. You know, like yeah. it becomes a thing that kind of, in my opinion, should have solved itself. Because I don't blame them for recruiting Delora. Sure. Like, I just think it's questionable whether you take his commitment once you know Finley's coming back. Yeah. But that's what G.J. Kennedy does because he did it at UIW sure. when sure. he had Stephen Duncan there and he brought in Lindsey Scott. And they did it yeah. last year with T.J. Finley when they had Malik Hornsby there. And, uh, and I was going to say... And that's the difference. And that's where the off the field stuff comes in because then you do that right for somebody who has this off the field issues that kind of puts a black, a black spot on this program that was riding high. So it's kind of in a vacuum, you can kind of see where like things made sense, but then when you kind of put it all together, you're like, that's where you messed up. You know, it's kind of like Look. this particular, like if they brought in Chandler Morris, right. If they brought in Chandler Morris, everybody's like, that's weird, but all right, Chandler Morris, cool. He started for TCU, right? It's okay. I can, I can see it. There's no, there is no backlash in my opinion. It was like, man, that's kind of they did TJ kind of dirty, but oh well, Chandler Morris, right? It's everything together. It kind of uh, does that. So, again, this is something they're gonna have to ride now until spring, because you know, granted, they can kind of go on a, a media blackout, I guess, until then, because he doesn't really have to talk, because they're just living with the strength and conditioning coach till spring, but. You know, that's something they got to put up with. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a a beast of their own making in a way. I mean, the vibes out of Texas State after that bowl game were so high. And now G.J. Kinney's had to release a statement, which is he's never pled guilty, which they can say because the documents were in juvenile court and the charges yep. are sealed. He's never convicted of criminal charges, which is true because it's a civil case. Right. And then, oh, by the way, the guy they said vouched for him, Craig Stutzman from his hometown, vouched for his character. At least that guy will be there this fall. Oh, wait, no, he's not. He's nope. at San Jose State a week after you brought in Jane Delora. So it, it yeah. just felt kind of bungled, honestly. Yeah. I, you got, it's hard to say what I'm about to say. Like, the morality of it is is a completely is a it's its own thing, right? right. And like it, but if the kid's being able to play college football, then he's been able to play college football. He's not behind bars. Like, right? What are you going to do there, right? right? But like for me, the the football part of this, the the team part of this, is the message it sends to the locker room that like everybody is dispensable, you know? And like that's, even like the fraction maybe that's of, true the now. fraction of getting better is right. worth. It, yeah. And maybe that's true now and we right. need to just be above board about it. And this is no longer the college athletics that most of us grew up with, all that kind of stuff. Like maybe that's, maybe that's right, mm -hmm. but it just feels different. And it feels like, I don't know, an unnecessary risk really sure. is no, what is how I, is how I would describe it. And if you don't win eight, nine, 10 games next year, like people are going to point to this as one of the major reasons. Yep. Alrighty. So yeah, we'll be keeping track of that. By the way, I will go ahead and plug the university star. They've been doing a really good job on it. Um, so definitely keep track of their uh, coverage of this as well. All right. Let's go. Let's go down 35 a bit and let's go to UTSA. The post Frank Harris era begins for UTSA, Jeff trailer and Jeff trailer in 2024. What does it look like? 
Now, I have a small answer to this off the bat. Um, I think it looks pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, just look at the transfer portals, the additions they've had, um, the, enough of the pieces they have coming back. I don't think this is going to be a team that's going to be winning on the back of a quarterback, but I think Frank Harris may look back on this year's team coming up and be like, damn, where was that at? <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I think it's important to to remember how good Frank Harris has been and what UTSA was without Frank Harris, right? 39 and 14 uh, in the last four years with, with Frank Harris, 41 and 55 in, in the eight seasons other than that, right? So uh, a below 500 program, you know, for eight years, right? one one bowl bid or something like that, maybe two in the history of the program before, before he kind of got going, but it coincided with Jeff trailer. And so I think it's kind of been a swirl, right? Where it's hard, where, what is the Jeff trailer side of the ice cream? What is the Frank Harris side of the ice cream? Which flavor really is it? And how, you know, it's like the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick thing. And so it will be interesting to see. I, I don't think talent wise, it's going to be that big of a drop, you know, like Frank Harris isn't going to the NFL, or probably even the XFL or the Canadian football. He's, he's just going to go work. Right. right. Like, um, and so like talent wise, I think you can match that. You can, it's the leadership, it's the intangibles, it's the winning those close games. Like all of that stuff uh, is hard to measure. It's hard to see in spring practice. Um, and so it'll be different. It'll look different. They're going to have to win it in different ways. It can't be, well, we can fart around for a couple Frank's going to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Frank will go do it. Um, and they're going to have to do that defensively as well. They got to replace Rashad Wisdom and, and some of the the leadership that's been on that side of the ball. And so I think on field skill wise, like this defense is going to be the best in Jeff Trailer's era. The offensive line is going to be pretty good. Running game should be solid. You usually find wide receivers. That's just there's so many out there that you're going to mm -hmm. find that. So to me, this comes down to like, can the quarterback be an X factor? Can he be a reason you win some football games because you're going to need him to be? Uh, and so it will be different because that will not be as easy as just trotting Frank out there and giving him the ball and saying, go win that football game. Yeah. Jamarius, Jamarius Lewis, uh, Ian Jackson from Alabama, uh, Damian Wimberly, who I think is a fantastic addition to that defense. He was somebody who I saw at Austin Vandergriff. Um, he's coming in from SMU. Again, like you mentioned, this defense is going to be the best it's had despite losing Trey Moore and the likes of um, uh, Rashad Wisdom to graduation, things like that. Um, and Cam Alexander, too. And Cam Alexander, a big again. Loss so, to Oregon. Right. But also, this is a defense that put one of the best young cornerbacks in the NFL. So, like, they've known how to produce talent, right, um, in Tyreek Woolen. So, again, this defense, yeah, is is going to be a step better. The offense, I think, as a whole, I think is going to take – again, they're losing players, some players to the portal, some players just graduation. But as a whole, I think this offense is going to take a step forward. It's not going to be like it was a lot of times this season where it's like – I don't know who's healthy, Frank Harris, somebody do a win, right? Do the winning play. Um, it's going to be a little bit more of like, okay, whether it's uh, uh, McCown or whoever, right? It's going to be like, okay, don't win this game, but we're going to give you a healthy Kavorian Barnes. We're going to give you Devin McQuinn, who's now a developed player. We're going to give you an offensive line that's healthy, right? And so while Frank Harris had to basically go out and give you a nine or a 10 every game, you can probably win with Owen McCown giving you a six or a seven, maybe an eight every once in a while, right? And I think that's where I think that's we're about to see how good of a coach Jeff Trailer really is in a good way. I'm not saying we're I'm questioning. I'm saying no. People are about to recognize, in my opinion, the season I'm looking at is that 2020 year before Frank Harris became oh, Frank sure. Harris Saint Frank. Yes, that was when they were seven and five, and Frank Harris that year 
I'm looking at the stats right here. Passed for 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns, and six interceptions. But he they won because they they leaned heavily on Sincere McCormick, and mm-hmm. he had 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns. And then the defense got really good at yeah. the end of the year. They started with three and three record and gave up 28 points per game, but finished four and two, giving up 23 points per game. And I'm not saying that UTSA has a Sincere McCormick on their roster right now, but Kavorian Barnes, Robert Henry, Rocco Griffin are all coming back, and they were all very capable. I mean, Kavorian Barnes, I like him a lot. He has to work on his fumbling, mm-hmm. but supplement him with Robert Henry, and I think this could be a ball control offense that really just leans on the defense this entire year. Can I say a hot take? What's up? Yeah. I, you obviously miss Frank Harris from 2022, but they already missed that last year because that wasn't the same Frank Harris that sure. was in 2021 and 2022. Like that was a a broken football player, right? Like a dude mm-hmm. with four surgeries in one offseason, seven surgeries on the same knee, two more on a different knee, a couple on the shoulder, right? Like he was a bionic man like that. Like for people like me, for UTSA, like who have watched pretty much every single snap of mm-hmm. like the Frank Harris, Frank Harris era at UTSA. He was not the quarterback we think that he or we know that he was beforehand, right? And so, like UTSA isn't replacing 2022 uh, Frank Harris; they're replacing the Frank Harris from last year. I think the quarterback position could be better than what it was in 2023, uh, or at least more consistent. Because that you know, I think you know Harris dealt with the injuries earlier on in the year, right? He yeah. had, he had the tough game against Tulane and stuff like that. And so, I don't think I think if everybody else is better, like UTSA is going to be fine. Right. Like if they can find somebody to not turn the football over, it, it's going to be a, a really interesting year for the Roadrunners. For sure. I think they're going to be one of the more fascinating teams in, in the state to watch just because we don't see this kind of regime change all sure. the time. 100%. They're replacing Michael Jordan on the Wizards. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. A, that's, like a good, that's a it, good comparison. Yeah, right. Like it's not it's he was not the same player. That's not to say he wasn't very good. He was our sure. first team all state te- player. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, when when he wasn't playing, they weren't very good. Right. Uh, but he was player of the year all tech the, the year before you know right like he was, right he was like transcendent yeah. in, in 2022 and in times in 2021 the the quarterback we saw in 23 uh already showed us what would happen to utsa if quarterback took a step back and that was you know still be one half away from playing in a conference championship game yep but i don't say they have to lean on the run game just because frank harris is gone look at that wide receiver room right now it's devin mcquinn and who yeah i mean i would say like I mean, you could go back and read what people thought of Zachary Franklin and Joshua Cephas and J.D. Yeah. Clark before that stuff, right? Like, those weren't, like, highly regarded big-time wide receivers that came in there that were no-brainer type talent things. Those are those are under-the-radar guys that nobody had ever heard of that that became huge superstars. And so we've seen McCoy. We've seen McEwen. You know, J.J. Sparkman is a, is a Texas Tech guy who's played a lot of major football. Um, they don't have to go play against you know nfl cornerbacks on week in week out like that that system and in college football you have a good quarterback why if 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 next year utsa is seven and five or eight and four took a pretty big step back it's not going to be because of the wide receiver position i I can i can pretty much guarantee that right all righty let's stay in the aac let's go back up 35 a little bit more north uh denton north texas the mean green ranked one 31 in the FBS and scoring defense in Eric Morris's first year on campus. Can the North Texas defense improve enough for North Texas to compete in the AAC? Um, they've made some 
obviously it looks like they're, I mean, unless some drastic moves made they're look, they're rolling with Matt Capone still a defensive coordinator. Um, they kind of, I guess they feel that although that particular defense that they scrapped wasn't the problem, they feel like they can fix the problem. They've added a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball um, on paper, at least talent that should be able to come right in and, it's hard to get worse. You literally can't get worse almost mathematically. I guess you can get one spot worse, but uh, regardless. Are they running the 335? I, I have no idea. I'll say this from the additions on the transfer portal, I would say no. Because they're not okay. adding nose tackle, interior linemen, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, right? They could very well say, screw it. We have the bodies that we think we can recruit on there, but like they're not adding a plug and play defensive lineman. They're adding because secondary, they're adding linebackers, they're adding second, third level guys where they also were bad. But I don't know. In my opinion, I don't look at who they brought in and say that they're still running the same scheme that they did at the beginning of the year. I think they, because so anyway, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. My answer changes based on whether they're running that scheme or not. Because like you talked about, Ish, the uproar over how much they lost in the transfer portal far outweighs who they brought in. I think BJ Allen and Xavion Bryce from Texas are great additions. Now we don't need to talk about how Texas was 113th in the nation in pass defense. And those guys, hey, didn't look, play you, on that you don't gotta be, you don't gotta be big 12. Good. You gotta be AAC good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Like if but, Ryan Allen and Xavier Bryce can just come in and do the same thing at North Texas, that's probably middle of the pack. <laughs> and they had a good high school recruiting class that they got a guy, Jaden Langley, who was at one time in Arizona commit, but they didn't bring anyone in on the transfer portal on the defensive line, yeah. except they brought one edge. Let me see. What's this guy's name? He's from Oregon. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Jake Shipley. Shoot. Jake Shipley. There we go. And so they, it's good to get that high school recruiting, but they needed some grown ass men if they want to run the 335. That was the only problem. That was the problem with the defense last year. They had one guy that was 300 pounds. Right. So if they are getting away from that system, I think they can get a lot better. But because they didn't lose anyone other than Mason Richards, who actually got harmed the most by the 3-3-5 because he was 250 pounds playing as a almost straight-up defensive end Right at that point. I think they'll just get better by having more experience in it. And then you got to look at the rest of the AAC. Do we think it got worse? I mean, because Tulane's going to be rebuilding a little bit. You know, like they think playing Temple. I think it's gettable. It's I think it's man. gettable, right? I'm not saying they're going to come in and compete for the conference right away, but I think it's a gettable conference. I am uh, an AAC hater. It's such a bad conference. It's, it's, a, so it's bad. a bad conference. I'm not they're I'm gonna, trying to disagree. Do we all agree that the offense is going to be fine? More or less. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm I am interested think... in the run game. The run game I'm interested in because as good He's... as I think Chandler Morris will be in this offense under uh, under Eric Morris and this receiving core, I do genuinely want – that. It, they lost like – potentially two or three, like anywhere in the country probably could be a thousand yard rushers. And that added a lot to different to that offense. So I think, let me ask it this way. Let me ask it this way. They averaged 34.5 points a game. Do we feel like they're going to be in that, in that range? They, they won't drop to like 28 or something. Like you think it would be 32. I'd probably, I'd put money on probably about two to three points less, but I'd still think, upper 30 or over 30 yes so they're, they're gonna be a 30 points a game scoring i agree by the way I, I i agree with that so this for me the whole north texas being able to to take that next step to be a seven eight win uh team again it comes just straight down to the defense like it's a simple the special teams were great one of the best special teams coaches in, in the country uh you know 
you give Eric Morris me, he's probably going to score 20 something points a game. Like they're going right. to figure it out on offense or something. I think Chandler Morris is going to really benefit from the step back uh, in terms of just the big 12 speed to the AAC speed. I think he's going to look like the guy that Carter saw play against an AAC defense and then like gushed over. Like he's going to see that every single week. And that, was tear it up. <laughs> and that was the best AAC defense, by the way. Yeah. Right. And that, that's, that's now yeah. a power four defense. Right. Like, and so that's how bad the AAC is, by the way, anyway, I think if S if North Texas just looks down at what SMU did last year defensively, I think they're they're following the same blueprint. In 2021 or 2022, first year under Scott Simons when when Rhett Lashley took over, SMU was 119th in the nation in scoring defense, giving up 33.8 points a game. They kept the coordinator, they kept the scheme, they added through the portal, they ended up the next year 11th in the nation in scoring 17.8 points a game, right? Like sometimes you just need year two in a scheme. Sometimes you just need year two in a system. And I think the added players plus the year two in the scheme is not going to make North Texas a top 20 scoring uh, defense in the country because they're not going to play offense that allows them to be a really great defense. Right. But if they can get down, like last year they averaged, they gave up 37.1 points per game. If we think that offense is going to be as good as we think it's going to be, if they can just become 28 points a game, Right. Right. Like they don't have to be good. Just be top 75. Right. Just don't be ass. Just mm -hmm. be thought like just be there. Yeah. That offense is going to win some games. You're going to win those close games that you didn't win last year. You lost four conference games by one possession. You win two of those. You're seven and five and in a bowl game in year one with a defense that is atrocious. Right. So I don't think the gap is that far for North Texas. They just have to come, become like average, like just just OK on defense. And this will be a seven, eight win team. And what is the American athletic conference? Look, I know me and Craven are both on Chandler Morris is going to be first team, all AAC uh, watch, but he's going to have a fall camp battle of a lifetime with stone Earl. Because <laughs> okay, Chandler, the camp, Chandler the camp Morris who beat out, beat camp out Max Legend. Duggan and stone Earl who beat out Chandler Rogers last year. It's going yeah. to be clash of the Titans. Dude, gonna those practices are going to be bad at like, there's going to be this uh, insane, just like darts and lasers all over the field. You're like, Oh man, this is great. Yeah. Just don't blitz them. <laughs> it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great time. Uh, no, I think, I think we're all in agreement here is that like, it doesn't, they're not going to be world beaters, but they don't need to be. They were just literally could not stop anything last year. And if they could stop, 10 percent more be top be, yeah. be top 80 in scoring right. defense and you're you're, right. you're probably sniffing at you know contention in late october yeah 100%. and look they face utsa offense without frank harris we just talked about two lane rebuilding and they get temple and tulsa who both were pretty atrocious last year so there are spots where they can get better yeah. oh yeah you tell me north texas wins nine games next year and i in the regular season and i'm not i don't call you a liar you know, like there, there's routes to it. Like really I, I do think that they can, they can become that good if the defense just becomes like the seventieth best defense. Right. Again. Yep. All and right. if they uh, rotate Morrison Earl. Yeah. By the way, South Alabama's also a new coach as well there um, with Major yeah. Applewhite. So like, there's, there's, there's rebuilding going on all over the place. Oh, yeah, um, right down that story idea. I forget about that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's go. All right. Let's finish up the AAC. Let's go to Rice Houston. How many games does Mike Bloomgren need to win in 2024 to remain the coach in 2025? 2025, of course, this whole season they get to bowl eligibility because we strongly suggest that he should uh, for everything. And all that does is kick the can down the road and be like, okay, cool. Now can you do it again? Um, 
Yeah, who wants to start this one? This one's an interesting one because, again, it's I'll basically go. the same story. Yeah. I'll go. So from what I know, Rice is a private institution, so yep. they do not have to publicly put out their contract. But I believe he has 2024 remaining on his contract. I okay. believe that to be true. Mm. And so with a new athletic director uh, in tow, you know, you always feel like you're coaching for your job all yep. the time as a college coach, right? Like it right. doesn't, even if your best friend hired you, like it doesn't matter, right? They'll, they'll pay you $76 million to go away. You know, right. like it, <laughs> it is a business. Uh, but when you have an athletic, new athletic director, new president, anything like that in the administration, it, it is going to raise your eyebrows and put the pressure on you. And, and so for Bloomgren, I think he needs seven. I think he has to continue that incremental, you know, bounce up. Like he has to be getting better and better and better. Uh, Rice is 22 and 46 in his six seasons, mm -hmm. you know, because of that bowl loss, they don't have a winning record ever in, in his six seasons. Right. And like, I looked it up cause I was wondering like, is that, is that good? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause you don't know what the winning percentage, like if that's good or not at Rice. Right. That's the 12th, the 11th all time best winning percentage at Rice. Uh, he is Oof. at three, three, 0.324, right? 32.4%. Yeah. David Bailiff was at 41.6% when he got fired, right? right? And that's, that's what that's playing for two conference championships. You can win at Rice. Like, it's not an impossible place to win. You're not going to win every year. Mm -hmm. and you're not going to win huge, but you can win at Rice. You can you can win against your peers, you know, every couple of years at, at Rice. You have to show that you're able to do that. And if you get six, seven, eight seasons, it's no longer a, a too short of a leash type thing. I think he has to get to seven wins uh, to, to be the Rice coach in 2025. Not counting the COVID season, he's gone two wins, three wins, four wins, five wins, six wins. He needs seven, baby. He needs seven to keep the job, but I just don't know how he gets to seven because I look at their team last year, especially on the offensive side, it was JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey masking almost everything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, Luke McCaffrey had 71 receptions for 992 yards. Guess how many yards the next closest receiver, Landon Ransom Goals, had? Wasn't it like 300? 380 yeah. on 26 catches. Yeah. You didn't like, give me a chance. I had that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the McCaffrey loss is bigger than the Daniels loss. Uh, they went 2-0 and o down the stretch to make it to a bowl game without JT Daniels playing, right? I mean, they won conference games without yeah. JT Daniels. I don't know what they do without Luke McCaffrey. Like, he was the star on offense for them. Yeah. I, I do like how Mike Bloomgren has added to bringing in NFL Pro bowlers, sons in with EJ Warner from Temple, now at QB, <laughs> son of Kurt Warner. I think he's going to be a beast. I was about to say, that's Rice. legitimately a, a multi-year guy, potentially a multi-year guy for them if the staff sticks around. Um, Temple, I mean, Carter, you saw Temple when he wasn't playing, when they played North Texas, and that was like, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was not an FBS offense uh, when he was hurt. So, yeah, he, it's a good get for them. Um, like you mentioned, they don't need him to be go do exactly what JT Daniels was doing. They just need – that's been the thing missing for basically his whole tenure, except for when JT was there, was competent play at quarterback. Um, now the question comes, Craven, like you mentioned, everywhere else. I think they have something in Dean Connor at running back, right? I think mm -hmm. he's a really good addition. He kind of um, uh, really caught on towards the end. But, yeah, what's that receiving core look like? They've done decently in the high school recruiting, but are those guys ready to be, you know, come in and, and be big contributors? Because they may have to be. I don't know. Um, but I agree. Seven is going to have to be the mark because you have to be able to show the progression of that. Those one to two loss years or win years were worth what you're building. So, 
And I don't want it to sound like I think Bloomgren should be fired as much sure. as like, I know how these things work. And right. sometimes you just need to like these people just make changes to just like appease a fan base and be like, here, look at the new thing, buy some new tickets. Right. right. Like it's just a fundraising it's situation. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. And so like at Rice, I have no idea what the expectation should be. I'd love to sit down with like the university president, the athletic director and be like, what, what do you think Rice football should do? Mm -hmm. on a year in and year out basis. And I would love to do the same thing at UTEP and some of these yeah. other schools. Right. Yep. But occasionally, like since this is big business, like you just have to turn it over every now and then. Right. And after seven seasons, if you can't look and go like, well, we have a winning record, what it's going to get turned over. That's just the way of the world. Yep. This is a little bit off topic, but we talked about Mike Blimgren. Maybe it's a little ticking because he's got a new athletic director and Tommy McClelland. Does Mike Elko get a mulligan? After Ross Bjork left after a week, like is this still Mike Elko's first athletic director? Or is it already clock? Yeah, <laughs> it depends the on clock if sped they... up because the guy who hired him isn't even there anymore. I think like for me, I mean, honestly, Anim make Marcy Slocum the full time AD. Um, Preach. Preach. He's he's been the he's like he's like the who's the Barry Alvarez. Remember when like Wisconsin's coach would leave and it was just like Barry Alvarez head coach again. It's like yeah. just make him the just do it whatever. So. Yeah, my thing is they should make R.C. Slocum the AD, and then he'll give Elko – like, he's not going to hold a court on Elko too soon. <laughs> not right? like they allow the AM AD to make a lot of big decisions anyway. Right, right, like, right. Just, just put the guy that everybody likes there and move <laughs> on with your life. It's going to be the PR, same seven people behind the scenes doing it anyway. PR win for all around. So, yeah, no, I don't think Elko's in trouble, but there's more issues than just that going on. Uh, Craven, you mentioned UTEP. Let's go to UTEP. Let's talk about some Scotty Walden. What it. constitutes success for Scotty Walden? His first year in El Paso uh, in the Sun Bowl. They're doing a really good job. First of all, I want to mention uh, of just going into battle in the recruiting field, right? That's like, way to put it. That's the thing that UTEP just like, it wasn't even, I can't even say it was just a Dimmel thing. I think Dimmel seeded that early on where he shouldn't have, but that's like a, that's going back. Like that is a thing that UTEP just always did. They just basically said, we'll try to get some of the best guys from El Paso, but we're not even going to bother with Dallas, Houston, the Valley, where, wherever, the West Texas, uh, the Panhandle. And Scotty Walden's like, we may not get this guy, but screw it. We need to see if we can get somebody from these major areas. Because again, the kids are going to uh, Clemson now. Kids are going to Memphis now. Just go eight hours the other way and you're in El Paso, right? Like, so that's that's my thing. And you I, may get him on round two. You may get him on round two, or you may get his younger brother, or you may get that next guy who's the head coach is like, hey, by the way, you were here. That guy's not going to mm -hmm. come here, but this junior mm -hmm. I got, you know, like it just, it's about relationships. And that's why I think they're laying the groundwork of something really good. I like the staff they're putting together to answer the question. I don't know if the, it's going to be weird to say a bowl because, again, they're really putting together an interesting roster. They have UTEP wasn't as, that talented anyway, and so, like, they lost those guys, so they're kind of trying to rebuild. I just, to me, I have to look at this team and say, okay, that's their offensive identity, that's their defense, and then laying the groundwork for recruiting. On the field, like, success-wise, I don't know what – I don't think there's a win number. But I have to look at that team and say, okay, here's what they do, X, Y, and Z, and here's what they go forward into 2025 with. 
I want to see a picture of the Sun Bowl in October, and I can tell you if the season's been a success or not. Interesting. Okay. Right? Like, success to me is figuring it out a way to rejuvenate rejuvenate the El Paso excitement that was there after that 2021 year. Yes. Right? Like, Mallory and I were at the 2022 season opener, week zero, North Texas versus UTEP, and that place was ready to pop. It was sold out. There was people in the parking. Like, it was was an awesome atmosphere. And that was even with a rain delay. Like, it it was a lot of fun, right? And then they lost that game. And then it just it badly. just went downhill after that. Yes, badly. Then it just went downhill after that. The 2021 mm-hmm. season falls off the tracks. 20, you know, or 2022 season falls off the tracks. 23, not any better. And so I we talk about this on the show all the time. The 180 coaching change, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you get the opposite of the last coach. And Scotty Walden is absolutely that compared to Dana Dimmel. And I'm not saying that in a good way or in a bad way. They're just right. different cats. They are just different, different dudes. Scotty Walden will raise your blood pressure. And I'm not saying that in a good or bad way, right? He's just an excitable guy. He will make you get to an 11. Uh, Big wrestling fan, by the way, Ish. Uh, That was enjoyable. Yeah, big, big WWE guy. Now an AEW guy, apparently. Uh, But but, uh, yeah, he's a professional wrestling guy. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, he's just an excitable, energetic coach with a fun offense, a fast-paced offense historically at Austin P. even before that at Sol Ross and, and a couple other stuff. Go have fun score some points, make the Sun Bowl hop in again, get some fans involved, recruit your butt off, and set yourself up for a big 2025. To me, that is success for UTEP. I, like you, I don't have wins and losses. I don't care too much about that. Hmm. To me, it's about like, do people in El Paso want to go watch the Miners play football on Saturday? If the answer is yes, hats off to you. That's a huge success. If it's still no, well, then we, we have some thinking to do. and we ha- You have some work to do out there. I'll take a stab at the win-loss record, and I want to read a quote from Scotty Walden on his introductory press conference. It's going to be the most exhilarating, exciting, thrilling product that's going to be on the field. Four wins. Because I look at this team, and it's Austin P. Yeah. It's in the transfer They brought in basically the entire, especially on offense, just like brought in everybody. (laughs) They swapped running backs with Texas State. They lost Torrance Burgess Jr. for Calvin Hill, and I – don't think they won that. Deion Hankins, other yeah. leading rushers in the portal. The top four wide receivers are gone. Kelly Akari was a thousand yard receiver. Tyron Smith at one point transferred to AM. He's now gone too. That entire wide receiver room is just Austin P now. And then there are two all conference offensive linemen. Look, I know with G5 teams, we don't know who has eligibility left, but their two all conference offensive linemen were freshmen in 2018. So mm-hmm. they should be gone. It's just it, the roster just is not good enough to get to a bowl game this year. So sure. you've got to look at what Craven's talking about. The excitement of the team is the coach energizing the fan base, things like that. Cause it might be tough on the field this year. Yeah. I, I don't think, think we should, we should bash Austin P too much here. You know, they're uh, okay. They're okay. Well, I mean, they, they played Tennessee better than UTSA did. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think with what we saw with GJ Kinney last year is like that production moves up. You know, like, a, like they're not, you're not playing SEC football, right? This is, this is conference USA. They're playing against Kennesaw state and Jackson state, you know, like a bunch of other former FCS teams too. So I don't think the jump up and ta- I would be more worried if the guards were coming in from right, Austin, right. P, right? Like you need, you need more talent maybe on that. But I, I think production on the, on the defensive back room and in the wide receiver room and stuff, I, I think that. I, I would I would take production at the wire. This is a different podcast discussion, probably. Yeah. But I would think I would take production over talent at the skill positions, and then upside size talent for like in the trenches, probably uh, than you know production at, at guard at Austin P or something like that. 
Sure. I'm not saying Walter did the wrong thing by bringing all the Austin P guys there. And, and again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just trashing Austin P. That's right. not what my intention here. Yeah. I'm just saying that GJ Kennedy comes into Texas state. I would argue that Scotty Walden has taken far more Austin P guys who will probably be starting than UIW guys who started at Texas. Sure. State. Sure. Sure. I just mean like Joey Obert and stuff like those guys came in from FCS and like, didn't miss a beat. Right. right. Like I, I just yeah. think, I just think wide receiver is one of those spots where if you catch 70 passes for 800 yards, I can get you to catch 50 for 700 at the FBS level. Right. If it's, if we're just talking conference USA. Yeah. hundred percent. Which is um, basically a halfway house between FCS and FBS anyway. Right. And like you mentioned, like, I think he's done the, he's shown to have the right personality and the right uh, mental approach to, it's almost a little bit of mini, mini McGuire at tech. Yeah. Right. He knows he's get him on the show. Yeah, no, we really do. Cause he knows he's, he's a, he has to be more of a, a promoter in kind yeah. of in a, a, a location that's not as well reached, I guess you can say. Um, like I Lubbock. think that's what got him the job. You know, like I, yeah. you know, I think, you know, him, Brendan Marion, a couple other names were like right there. Zach Kitley mm-hmm. was part of that group. But I think the differentiator for, for Scotty is just his like cult of personality. I was like about to he, say, he out of those like names a, that were in like the excitable dude. Yeah. Out of the names that were in the discussion, he's by far the most lively in terms right. of like, just like you right. can sit down and be like, oh my God, this guy, you know? Yeah. So. And I don't mean this term in a, per- but like, you got to be a little carnival barky. Right. Like yeah, you got, yeah, you got to go get, you got to go like raise your voice and get people to pay attention to you, you know? And, and yeah, like, I mean, Joey I said they'd be beat Oklahoma there. six months before they did. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So yeah, no, hundred percent. You got to Yeah. You got to do that sometimes. So, alrighty. Uh, let's end it with Sam Houston. Also in conference USA. Do the Bearcats. This one's very simple. Do the Bearcats go bowling in 2024? I'm going. Yes. I think I'm also going. Yes. I'm going, um, yes, I'm a thin margins guy, right? I'm a coin flip becoming, you know, a 50-50 proposition at some point guy. Yeah. And you can't watch Sam Houston last year and not go, well, those guys deserve a couple breaks, right? Like they, <laughs> right, they right. deserve they deserve a couple of coin flip games to go the other way. Like it was so close. Like I know it was a rough season, not the most fun season, but it was so close to being a pretty cool story down the stretch there. Like they were in so many close games that if just two of them go the other way. It was almost like, I mean, like like Carter Carter had a running joke where it was like they're finding ways to lose the games. <laughs> like it was just like every new week was like, okay, now they're going to, kick off but they probably should squib it okay the other team's gonna get it and get in field goal range or water you know like really just things like just made up ways for things to go wrong for them yeah Yeah. well i said they got in their head a little bit too because once the losing streaks stack up you almost it gets mental and And especially especially like a little mental i was about to say especially for like that three two to i say like two to four week stretch honestly where it was like they were in the same scenario in the fourth quarter every single Mm -hmm. time and it was like like you mentioned i think that is a good point is like at that point it's like okay what do we have to do now to not lose this game and you kind of yeah like you mentioned it kind of just like gets into it y'all know the bobby bowden four years of of college football development thing where like year one you lose big year two you lose small year three you win like last year i think was their like win small or or lose small Mm -hmm. year and I believe it'll turn into next year being the year that they kind of win small year, not, you know, go 10 and two or anything, but sure, sure, sure. I think they can go six and six, seven and five. No, hundred percent. Well, the weird thing about Sam Houston is that they're almost like platooning. So the 2021 team that won the national championship, those guys all redshirted in 2022. Mm-hmm. So they could play in 2023. So the guys from 2022 
that sat out in 2023 to be backups. Now are they coming back? It's like 2021 and 2023 were the same team as 2022 and 2024. Yeah. You got to remember in 2021, Sam Houston played 22 football games in a calendar year. Yeah, that was nuts. They played Um, the spring season. That's when they won the national title. Right. And so like the recruiting got a little wonky. The numbers got a little wonky. This is in the process of moving up and going from, I think it's 56 scholarships or 53 scholarships up to 85 and and managing that. So I do, I don't think that they had the numbers last year that they wanted to, and they'll, they'll be more close. They'll be closer to that 85 scholarship just because just because you're allowed to have them doesn't mean you got the money to pay them. Right. Right. Like, you know, like, and that, that becomes an issue for some of these transition schools as well. So I just think year two, as an FBS program, you've seen these teams. You know you're not that far away from them. Uh, to Carter's point, you got some guys that have been kind of waiting in the wings there. They kind of got knocked off the pedestal a little bit for a year and kind of had to re re get their job. And so, uh, if the quarterback position can be, because I you know I thought Shoemaker played okay, yeah, uh, better better than I thought he was going to play. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Put some yeah. respect on Shoemaker's name. Yeah. yeah. Well, if they can just get more explosive around the quarterback. Um, then, then I think all of a sudden, you know, you go from losing by three to, to winning by three, cause you can hold on to those leads. If you can score, you know, some points in the second half. Yeah. If they can say, rush for more than two yards to carry. I was yeah, about to say, they also, I mean, like they're, they're adding Zach Herbisek back, who was their leading rusher the year before he didn't play at all. Basically last year. Um, I believe Effie Adehi, their leading receiver is going to be coming back. I think he was a junior last year. Um, again, so like it was injuries in addition to just not being physically ready, right? Another year of developing those offensive linemen, things like that. I like some of the additions they made in the transfer portal slash uh, QB room, right? I'm really curious about uh, Jace Bauer, that kid from Central Michigan. Um, that's going to be somebody that I'm very fascinated by. They're adding Hunter Watson as a kind of a locker room backup as a quarterback. Um, I don't think we'll see what we saw last year, which is them trying to figure out quarterback because the offensive line's so bad. So therefore they're trying to plug and play and pull guys. I think Bauer will go in more or less as the guy. Um, but then Hunter Watson, I think is capable, right? We saw Rankinell just not there, especially with that offensive line. He just wasn't the answer. Um, I think they're going to be more confident in what they're able to do, right? We saw like Trapper Pinnell trying to do some weird stuff with the Wildcats. So I think they're going to be a lot more, uh, uh, like you mentioned, like platooned a little bit in terms of like depth. So I think that'll pay off because like you mentioned, there were so many close games. Um, I'll tell you this, looking at it right now, season kicks off from our perspective, a banger. Sam Houston at Rice. Oh, yeah. That is an interesting game. <laughs> Very, it, the narrative bowl. That is a narrative out of that. bowl. You better win that game for Rice and Sam Houston. I wouldn't bet against him. <laughs> I wouldn't bet against him winning that game. So I might put the mortgage on Sam Houston seven and six or seven and five. It's possible. that's what it feels like for me. I think because I think who do they add? Con- uh, Kennesaw joins Conference USA, right? Mm-hmm. Officially. So I know they played like an outlaw schedule last year. So yeah, no, this is a winnable conference. La Tech, whatever the hell's going on there, that's not great. Um, Jacksonville State won the conference, walked in and won the conference. So like, yeah, no, this is a gettable conference. Liberty, of course, is going to be there. Um, I don't know about New Mexico State. We'll see what they look like uh, without yeah. Jerry Western Kill. Kentucky will be pretty good. Western Kentucky will be good. Uh, middle, we'll see. Middle hired a new coach. They got a Derek Mason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, there's no – it's not a it's not a murderer's row, right? Two of these – three of these programs walked in and just won the conference. So, basically. So, um, yeah. All righty. That'll do it for us on this one. We'll be back with a regular episode of we'll try to figure out what uh what we kind of got going uh next week. By the way, uh this weekend, 
we're still trying to work out coverage exactly, but me, Carter, and Mallory will be around the Shrine Bowl leading up to next Thursday. Um, we have some pieces coming out. Some of them are going to be featured. Some of them are going to be just draft prep stuff. Um, a lot of cool names got added at the last minute, like Jonathan Brooks, JT Sanders, Jason Bean from Kansas, who's originally from Denton. Um, no, Lake Mansfield. Um, yeah, Lake Ridge. Uh, so he, he did a he did a couple years bid in in Denton, Texas. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess so. He did play Denton, America. Time. Yeah, Denton, America. Um, so again, not all those are going to be features, but like. I'm just curious about what the draft process is going like. Um, you know, we'll be able to talk to those guys as well. Those will be kind of, I'd say, multi-platform. We'll have some video interviews, some probably audio. Uh, Carter will be doing a piece or two on a couple guys. Um, so, yeah. And so keep keep on the lookout for that. Of course, I mentioned the schedule dropping on techsobo.com. We'll be having uh, some coverage on that. Uh, me and Corey are kind of in basketball mode right now. Um, I was at the TCU women's game. I'll be having a piece go up on that. So Corey is, in addition to being one of the most, probably the most plugged in guy for non-FBS, he's the most plugged in guy for non-Division One basketball. So uh, if you're a fan of that and his coverage on there, go check out texasfootball.com slash basketball. So uh, yeah, that'll do it for us. We will be back next week. Please, please rate and subscribe. Listen to everything on the Republic of Football Network. And we will be back next week. Uh, Mike Elko and Willie Fritz. Please feel free to come on. And Scotty Walden. We need to get Scotty Walden on as well. So we'll talk to you guys next week.